Right now on how to build a podcast for your brand, we're talking producers. What exactly do they do and what magic do they bring to the mix? We're learning from one of the best, the Imro award-winning producer behind the hottest talk show in Dublin radio on FM 104. Let's go. This is Tim Ferriss. Welcome to another episode of The Tim Ferriss Show. We're going to talk about house prices. We're online, kid. Go ahead. House prices in Ireland in particular. The Two Johnnies podcast, bringing you all the mayhem and news from the world of the Two Johnnies. Open the pod bay doors, Tom. This is Business Wars. The EY Podcast CEO Outlook Series. Pod this one. is the Tommy's Tiernan's Tommy's choice. idea. We just go for it. Brace yourself. Go ahead. Absolutely go ahead. It's showtime. Hello and welcome to How to Build a Podcast for Your Brand. My name is Dusty Rhodes and today we're helping you with the ins and outs of production. What exactly is it? What does a producer do? Where do you find one or do you just do it yourself? Joining me today is Shireen Langan, who's had a passion for radio forever while she was in college She had her own talk show already on commercial radio. That's how good she was. Since then, she's had a stellar career working in radio and television production in Ireland and Los Angeles. And a couple of highlights of her career would include winning an IMRO Award, uh, which is the highest of the highest radio awards you can get uh, for the Open Mic Show on FM 104, which she was producing. Uh, She's also a founder of the World Media Lab uh, company, which you can find at theworldmedialab.com. And she's also the author of a book, How to Podcast Like a Radio Presenter. Uh, Shireen, you're very welcome to the podcast. Let me start off by asking for you, what is the magic of radio stroke podcasts? I think the magic of radio is that I don't think it's ever going to die. I think it's something that regardless, I know there's all this stuff that people are like, you know, TV is going to take over, Netflix is going to take over, everything's going to take over. But I can never see us losing radio because I think that radio presenters, especially during lockdown, we can speak to our audience in a way that no other platform can do it. It's like it's just you and them in a room together. Tell me now, you're a producer and today's podcast is all about producing. So in a nutshell, what is the role of a producer? What do they do? Well, I'm actually, I'm going to steal your own line here and say the producer is the brains of the idea. I think a lot of people don't, don't realise that you hear a good presenter and you're like, wait, they're doing a really good job. But there's always someone behind them handing them the documents, you know, messaging them being like, don't say that, don't say that. You can't say that. Like, you know, edit, edit. Um, so yeah, so they're the, they're the driving force of of the project. What would you say are the three main things that you do then as a producer? As a producer, mm. for me as a producer, I would see myself as I think the main thing is you are the ideas person. You come up with all the ideas, you pull the show together, and most importantly, mm. I believe the producer is the safety net of the entire project. The producer is the person that. If things are going south, they're the quick thinker that comes up with, okay, we're thinking, how can I save this? How can I save this dying ship right now? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so that, that would be the main thing. Like the producer is kind of like the person, I know that we've spoken about this briefly before, like even in regards to like legalities and stuff like that. They have to think of the things that the presenter does not have time to think of in that moment because they're in the middle of interviewing someone or whatever they're doing. So a producer kind of knows the rules of radio and how to get the best of the content across in, a, in, in an audio format and is able to direct the presenter in, in doing that. Why does the producer not just be the presenter? Because they're two different things. Like, as I was just saying there, the producer is the person that's behind the scenes, that's thinking of 
when, like when you're presenting a show, you're very much just kind of reading what's in front of you. That's why like you'll actually, you'll often kind of hear on radio sometimes where the producer may have handed something over that like, you know, needed to be edited or something like that. And the presenter will just read, 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 read. It's like they're not even thinking. It's just a stream of words that is coming out of their mouth. And then you'll hear them go, uh, uh, sorry, sorry, sorry about that. My producer um, wasn't meant to send me over that texture, whatever it was. Like, <laughs> as the presenter, you need to be in the zone and just mm. not have any worries. That's why having a producer you can trust is, oh my God. So it's it's a hard thing to mm. get, but it's so important. So it's kind of teamwork, really. 100%. So what then, you've worked in radio very successfully and you've also kind of been in the, the TV side of things. Um, and you're also working in podcasting. What are the differences between producing for each of those three medium? Oh, that's a great question. I suppose the key to radio and podcasting is that you're trying to keep an audience there just through words, which is actually a lot harder than people than people think. So yeah, to keep that engagement, at least with TV, it's more visual. So you can have like cutaways and different clips and stuff like that. Whereas Radio and podcasting is a person and their microphone and it's it's keeping that interesting and up-tempo. So when you're coming up to a project then, what kind of, because you can't know everything about everything, how do you think about what content you are going to put into your podcast? What's, what's your system? So, well, I guess for, first of all, in regards to you don't, you can't know everything about everything. You've hit the nail on the head. One of the best things I was ever told working in TV was by the the executive producer on Bellator, which is an MMA company. And they came over to Ireland and I was working with them. And Scott turned around to me and he was like, do you know what, Shireen? I know nothing about MMA. He said, but what I do know is how to produce a very good live TV show. And it was the first time, because I know a lot of people will be like, you need to know everything about the show or, you know, the ins and outs. You don't. What you need to do is be a good researcher and know the right questions to ask and a general format. Let's let's pick an example of a show. It, dep- it depends on what it's going to be. So like on, on the show that I was producing for, every week we had a weekly band and it would typically be, it had to be an Irish band because of the format of the show. And every time they came in, I'd always say to presenter, I was like, we need to make this different. Like, we know they're going to do their live performance. We know they're going to plug their gig. Like, it's the rules of radio, you know. There's just kind of like the givens that people are going to do. But first of all, if this artist isn't that well known, how are we going to make it engaging for someone who's listening in? Because it's it's a hard sell to teach people about things that they don't already know about. Like, it's very hard to get someone interested in something like that. Then you want to look at, how can we make this interesting for the artist? If they're doing their rounds at 20 radio stations and they come in and, you know, you're number 20 and you're sitting there with the same questions and like you'll see people. One of the things I always love to do when people come in, I'm like, what are the do's and the don'ts to this interview? What is something that you 100% want to talk about that you're plugging or, you know, just like a quirky angle or something about yourself? You know, what are the don'ts? What is the one area that you kind of, you don't want to cover? Now, it's rare that people will have them, but I feel like it's a good way to put the the person that you're interviewing at ease because then they're like, okay, why? Well, so, you know, I can trust them. They have my best interests in heart. But coming up with a unique angle is so important. So f- for things like artists, I used to come up with kind of like fun games or, you know, like, would you rather? Or this or that or something different. So it's like they're getting their on-air slots. It's a little bit like, you know, a way as well to get people involved in things. Mm. So so some sort of like giveaway or some sort of like get people to text in. So there was a game that we used to play where 
listeners would text in a random word and the artist would have to come up with a song on the spot, like a, the lyrics to a song. And it was just like, I know if you listen to this now, you're probably like, but what is the point of that? The point of that is that it's engaging, it's entertaining mm. whilst the person is still getting whatever they're trying to sell across. So if you're like a company or a brand and you're selling washing machines, why am I going to listen to washing machines? Whereas if you make it funny and I get to throw in the most random things, if I get to pick the color of the mm. washing machine every week, and we get to, you know, pick out cool designs and I don't know, some sort of prank or something is going yeah. into it. Well, then, yeah, suddenly like you have a whole new audience that's interested in washing machines. So you're just trying to think of something from a different angle, really, is is, is a good way of coming up with those things. Get, let, bring, let me bring you back to uh, researching. If you have a guest coming in on your podcast, how would you go about researching who they are and what questions to ask them? So there's a couple of ways to go about this. Obviously, social media is the very first go to. And I always say to people, look for the different parts of social media. It's not just going onto their first page. Go and look. Do they have a personal page? Is there is there other pages that they have going on? Going into even their, their tagged images and then like clicking into them and seeing where that's going to lead you. Like research is a really tedious job and you really need to be looking for different angles um, on it, if they have a website, 100%, that's the best place to go to. But there are those people who just, they have no online presence and they're really, really hard people to guess. So what I love to do is, um, is come up with Google Forms. So have a list uh-huh. of 10 to 15 questions and fly it over to the person. And like, there's no harm in even saying to the people, I say to people when they come in, I don't know about your life, so I need you to tell me. Or a five-minute pre-phone call. Um, this is the beauty about having a producer. They say if you're presenting the show yourself, you're best off not doing that, only because then when the person comes on there, they'll be like, oh, like, do you remember when? Or I, I've even done it on this. Do you remember we were talking about that a couple of days ago? And everyone listening is going, uh, we weren't there. We feel very left out right now. So obviously the inclusivity. But um, asking people, bringing them in, getting your producer to give them a quick phone call, going through, coming up with it again with the angles, coming up with different quirky questions and stuff like that. But knowing the right questions to ask is very important to get the right stories out of people because it's often you'll come out of an interview and someone will say something and you'll go, why didn't you tell me that 10 minutes ago? That, that would have been the key highlight of our entire interview. But people who aren't trained, especially, they don't know what you're looking for. You need to get it out of them. So when you are researching what questions to ask a a guest, what kind of information do you want to get out of them? Is it to learn something from their experience or to just get entertaining stories or do you just want to get factual information? What kind of questions do you ask? Well, I think it depends on the the aim of the interview, but like a a nice little blend of them all is always good. Like it can be... Mm. Like, I mean, obviously, like it depends like if you're... If it's something to do with like mental health or like a really like serious topic well then it might not be the best time to start you know, throwing in funny stories or you know making a joke out of it so like knowing the time and the place as well but for me like the best interview is something that's funny engaging but you're still learning throughout it and people actually learn better if it's lighthearted. there was a study done and it showed that people in Ireland hate being told what to do just eat did an advert and it was like order today They put these banners up everywhere and it did not work because Irish people hate being told what to do. We (laughs) will rebel against it. So it's similar in a podcast. If you're like, do this, do that automatically. No, I'm not going to do that. But if this is funny and engaging and you're like, do you know what? We're going to continue the story over on our 
wherever you're trying to bring them to our Instagram or, you know, you can find out more about it here. Well, then, yeah, you're going to pop on over. But think about when you're in school and you're learning about something, especially, you know, like if you have some sort of business that you're trying to promote or sell, if the teacher is just there speaking at you, you're not engaged. If the teacher is there telling funny stories and, you know, they bring you on a journey with them, leading by example. Mm. And then like, it's almost like you're sucked into it through their energy. And you're like, okay, I want to go with this person. I want to learn more about that. And you're going to go off and do your own research into it. Where do you stand on, where do you stand on that whole intro when you're introducing a person? So I love to, so this is where, this is where being in producing comes into it. I love to ask people, how do you want to be introduced? Because someone could have 10 achievements and then you pick the wrong one and they go, well, do you know what? I didn't actually want that one. Um, so that's one of the questions I'd have in my form. How do you want to be introduced? Just ask them. It's the easiest way to do it. Even in regards mm-hmm. to names, sometimes people have nicknames that they want to go by. Like, don't assume because there's nothing more awkward. And this is why I ask these questions that when you're live on air and you say someone's name or you introduce someone and then on air you're called up in it and then you're there going, uh, I'm so sorry about that. This is very embarrassing. Um, so just ask people that there's most people are so, so giving and they would prefer that than the wrong thing being said. So if you're in an organization and they've said, hey, you know, what? podcasting is kind of cool. We're going to make a podcast and you're going to put it together. This poor person is like all of a sudden become a producer because that is essentially the word. What would you say are the three main rules for producing? Ooh, three main rules for producing. Numero uno is know your audience. That is the main, main thing. Who is this aimed towards? Because if I am, if you come to me and you're like, hey, Shireen, I'd love if you made up uh, we're a dating agency. I'd love if you made up a dating podcast for us. If this is for 18 to 24 year olds, it would be completely different than if it's for 50 to 60 year olds. Two completely different audiences. Know who you're trying to target. Um, know your brand. How do you want the, the person to feel when they're listening to the podcast? What do you mean by that? I, I, I'm a big feels. I'm a big feels person now. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think I think that's like an NLP thing, isn't it? You know, there's some people go by what they hear, what they see, what they feel. I'm I'm yeah. a feeling person. If I'm listening to a podcast, how do I want to feel? Do I want to feel comforted and safe? Do I want to feel motivated? Um, if it's a gym, I want to feel motivated. I want to be like, yes, I'm getting up at 5 a.m. tomorrow. I'm going to go do this, like hardcore. Um, but then if it's, oof, I can't even think of anything. But then if you're sending, selling beds, I want to be comfortable. I want to I want to be a bit more chill. I want to envision myself going to bed at night, birds chirping everywhere. I want to feel the warm sunshine if it's holidays. You know, every everything that you're selling has a completely different feel to it. And I think that's a factor that people don't actually take in on board. Um, one of the shows that I was doing was a late night talk show. So I was very conscious and it just comes into knowing your audience. A lot of people that are listening to very late night talk shows, especially on a Sunday night, like after around 12 um, they're typically people that are probably by themselves, you know, like they mm-hmm. pro- may, may or may not be working the next day. Like you could have a kind of, you know, people that might be a little bit lonely listening to it. So like you really need to keep that in mind. So uplifting, upbeat, like have the listener feel as though they're your friend and they're involved, you know, whereas if it's a breakfast show mm-hmm. aimed in the mornings, it's a bit more like, whoa, okay, let's go have a party. Let's start today. Two completely different things. Um so yeah, so how you want the person to feel, which would come into knowing your brand as well. And then the third one, the third one, now I don't really know if this is like a rule or whatever it is, but 
But know your limits and don't be afraid to push them. Don't be afraid to be that bit different. There's there's nothing wrong with, I mean, geez, I, I've come up with 101 ideas and 50, 50 of them may have been a hit, you know, if even. Um, there's nothing wrong with coming up with an idea that doesn't necessarily work because when you get that idea that was a bit different, that does take off, that's the one that everyone's going to remember. No one's going to remember, you know, that one time your your idea was a bit off. Um, so yeah, being a bit different and throwing yourself out there and don't be afraid to push the boundaries. I'd heard that before when it came to ideas and, you know, we were given a, a task and it was kind of like, okay, bah, 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 I want you to write down X amount of ideas or whatever, as many ideas as you can for whatever the bit was at the show, or I can't remember what it was. Uh, and so it was 20 minutes of discussion. We could do this and that, whatever. And eventually they went, okay, now uh, take your list and take the first th- 10 things on your list. It's like, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. What? Will we share them with everybody? It's not, no, put a line through them. We're not going to use them. What? I was like, because the first 10 things you think of are the first 10 things everybody else will think of. The gold you will find is idea number 12 or idea number 15. And as you say, it's like, you know, kind of, well, that's when you start to think a little bit different. And when you start to think a little bit different, that's where the gold is. And when you think about the podcast that you like or the TV shows that you like, they've all got that little quirk, a little something different that, that you like about it. Am I resonating with you? <laughs> 100%. And a great tool that I used to use as well is that you need to remember your audience are the people around you. They're everyday people. They're not these enigmas. So what I love to do is... I'm living with four guys at the minute and sometimes I'll walk into the kitchen and I'll have a real good topic idea on the top of my head and I'll just throw it out there casually, just, you know, throw it into conversation and I'll wait and see just how good the reaction is. If people in the room start to react and everyone starts debating or talking about it or whatever, you've hit the nail on the head or or everyday things, think about the discussions that get people talking and if Mm. it's in any way relevant to what you're doing or what you're trying to sell or promote, write it down. You're going to get these ideas like, I get the best ideas right before I fall asleep or in the shower. They just come to me. But if you were like, Shereen, sit down and come up with an idea. Uh, I can't, I can't, I can't do it on the spot. I can. But like you said, it's going to be one of the first top 10 ideas that, yeah, come to you that every other person has done. Um, So yeah, 100% that resonates. So if you're this person who's been tasked with making a, a, a podcast, where are the advantages of going ahead and doing it yourself and where are the advantages of using a professional producer? I think doing it yourself is definitely um, a specific personality type Mm -hmm. in the sense that as a producer, you need to understand, although you're the brains behind it, you're not kind of like the face of it. Um, So teamwork is very important, knowing each other's roles, but also being open to a bit of criticism, a bit of disagreement, like, I could come in some days with the world. I'm literally, I'm like, I have this show nailed. Like they won't believe this idea I had. And then the presenter turns around and is like, nah, nah, not really feeling it. And you have to be okay with that, you know, just kind of, oh, okay, stung a little bit. Let me, let me just move on. Um, the pros to having a producer is the same thing again, in the sense that as a presenter, you could think that you have the show absolutely nailed and they'll come in and just tweak it. A good mm. producer a lot of the times, like sometimes presenters do kind of like to take the lead on things and that's okay. But it's, they'll just come in and fine tune or tweak it or, you know, help help come up with different angles. It's someone to bounce ideas off and to make the yeah. show the best it could be. Um, so yeah, like there's pros, there's pros and cons to both. I have presented and produced a three hour talk show by myself 
for six weeks whilst I was looking for a producer. And I have to say, it was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Wow, because you were doing both roles. I was doing everything. And it's like, it becomes tiring at the end of it because like people tuning in, you know, your friends, family or even clients or whatever, and they're messaging, they're like, geez, that, that was amazing. But like, no one's giving you constructive feedback, especially if they don't understand what it is you're trying to do. You need someone that understands what it is you're trying to achieve in order to get that. So like week one or two, you're like, wow, look at me. I'm amazing. Look at me doing everything by myself. And then after a while, you're like, okay, this is kind of tiring. I need to know if this is good, is a bad, like just someone to help share the workload. Like I can't explain how many pros there are as to having a producer and having that person there. Mm. Um, once it's someone that you can trust and work well with. Okay, so let's get into the examples part of our podcast, which I really enjoyed because we've been chatting about what a producer does and the kind of content to put into a show. Now we've kind of got to back it up with a few examples. <laughs> so we've got three examples uh, that we have picked between us and we're going to select our favourite. The first one uh, is from you. Uh, tell me what you've picked from a, a well-known TV personality and why. So I have picked my biggest inspiration as a presenter and and I'm pretty sure he was a producer in the past, Mr. Graham Norton. Um, why? To me, oh my God, like especially when you hear the clip, there's so many things that Graham does in this in how he presents. Like, first of all, I feel as though we're mates. Like if I saw him in the street, I'd be like, yo, Graham, what's to crack? Like as if he knows me. He's so relatable. He's so easy to get along with. But the most, like I know that this isn't the producer part, but I felt like it was definitely an interesting point to to point out. His accent and the way he actually speaks within it typically isn't how a presenter is told to speak or act. You know what I mean? But I feel like his personality is so strong that he can get away with it. So that's the whole thing of breaking the rules and breaking the boundaries. Like, yeah, very easily he got to conform to, okay, and I'm going to speak very professionally and do this, that and the other. But he's like, nah, do you know what? This is me. This is my personality. Um, So yeah, no, so I think, yeah, it's a really really strong clip. Okay, let's take a listen. Uh, Now, uh, Kylie Minogue, we are now going to play Kylie Minogue True or false, okay? Oh my goodness, okay, yep. There are no prizes, and in my experience, normally these are true. Uh, <laughs> so okay. first question, first question. It's a little, I, I feel this sounds negative, but I think there's a reason behind it. Uh, true or okay. false, wet, wet, wet are your UK chart nemesis? Oh, I think that is true. Was that? No, was that? Did they? Hold Jason and I off number one for especially for you. Apparently, they've kept you from number one three times. <gasps> then they are my chart nemesis. <laughs> huh. hey, where are they now? <laughs> hey, Kaylee. Yeah. Oh, uh, goodness. Uh, true or false? The name of the character you played in Doctor Who was an anagram of the TARDIS. True, yes. Astrid Peth. Oh, I've got such fond memories of making that that episode. Oh, were you, uh, were you, that was the Cardiff. You were down in Cardiff. For that, yeah, yeah, I was in Cardiff. Uh, okay, yep, true. Two trues. Uh, uh, okay, uh, you were born in Bethlehem. <laughs> this is some deep fact-finding. <laughs> you were born in Bethlehem. I love that. I love that clip. <laughs> That's, but the thing about it is, and the reason why um, I left the last little bit in is because she even says herself, this is some deep fact-finding. Like, now, obviously, he has a huge team that's doing this, but that would have been predominantly the producer who went off and found these things and handed them to him. But the way he's conducting it, he could have very easily sat down and been like, question, answer, question, answer. They're making it fun and engaging because it's a game. 
even though everything is true that he's saying, she feels comfortable enough to actually have that conversation because he he like he pushes the boundaries and things, but he never goes too far. Like if you listen to the whole podcast, there's oftentimes where he says things and I'm like, even about the wet, wet, wet thing, I'm like, ooh, probably wouldn't have said that myself, but he can get away with it and people know what to expect. But it's such a great way to be like, we know so much about you. We've done all this research. We're giving people this knowledge, but in a fun and engaging way. Yeah. And I was, what I liked about it was that it was... It was thinking. That was probably number 12 on the list. What would we do with Kylie? You go down to uh, true, false and things that she probably doesn't know about herself or, or does she? So the great, great example of, of good production there. Uh, the example I have for you is from a podcast that I like, which is called uh, the Hustle and Flowchart uh, podcast, which is a very tactical marketing podcast. And the reason I like it is because the two lads... Um, like to get guests on who will actually teach you something. It's like how often, like, you know, kind of, especially when you go to conferences or whatever, people will go up and say, well, you know, I'm uh, I'm the biz because I did such, such and such. And this is what we did, ABC. Whereas the conference had actually said, already said, this person's done ABC and they will reveal how they did it and how they put it together. And they never do. <laughs> it just, it drives me nuts. You know, you're spending thousands to go to these things. So what I like about these two marketing guys uh, who do Hustle and Flowchart is they actually have people in and uh, who will teach you things. And the reason they are able to do that is because as producers, they have taken the time to actually read the book that the person has written and they know the questions to ask so that the person will actually give good advice. Okay. Um, this particular guy that they had on was Justin Dolan, Justin Donald. He's a kind of an investment guy or whatever, talking about boring things, but like money. Um, but he gave such stunningly good advice. I haven't listened to this clip in about three weeks, so I'll have to listen to it again and explain to you the backstory. But tell me what you think as well. Here it is. Sure. I mean, I, I think the first thing is if you don't have the assets, you should probably have some sort of, you know, emergency fund that covers you for three, at least three months, ideally six months, if you can get to nine or 12 months, even better. But, you know, something to hold you over. But if you just look at what your mortgage is or your rent is, and you figure out a way to get that in cash flow on a monthly basis, mm -hmm. it, it might look like a lot on an annual basis. I'm telling you on a monthly basis, it's not as hard as you think. And everyone's always surprised at how little it, it costs per month when you break down just the bare necessities. And there's a feeling of true liberation that happens when you hit these numbers. I just had someone mm -hmm. in my mastermind literally just hit their number. They set it. They knew what they needed to get to. It was $10,000 a month and they were working really hard uh, to get there. And in this last year, less than a year, in this last six or seven months, they were able to accomplish it. Wow. And, and that's it. So they had a target. They knew what they had to get to and it started small. So the 10,000 was like, I'm going to be really excited when I'm there, but I'm going to start with just a couple thousand. And I'm telling you, when you cover your expenses, it's like taking this load of bricks that you've been carrying around in your backpack off mm. and you can breathe. It's like you're floating. It just feels so good. And you make different decisions. And I'm going to take it one step further and say, when you've covered your lifestyle and you're not reliant upon your business or your job to produce an income, you make 
different decisions and much better decisions from the standpoint of work. Professionally, you're in a better place. You don't make decisions out of fear. You make decisions out of strength. You don't have to keep doing things the way that you did them that you know that they work because you don't have to have that income anymore. And you're willing to try something new. You're willing to hire someone different. You're willing to transition roles. You're willing to take some chances. And often that's where the magic happens on the entrepreneurial side of things. So what did you get out of that, Shereen? Wow. Well, there's actually, well, there's, there's three things that I got out of that. First of all, I think that it's really interesting to look at. Do you remember I was saying, hey, podcasts make you feel? Mm-hmm. Graham Norton, for me, it was like fun and easy flowing, driving to get an ice cream. That literally, as I was listening to it, I was like, that's an absolutely genius idea. After this, I might sit down and come up with my expenses for the month. It is actually after inspiring me to go off and do that. Second of all, I don't know if people picked up on the fact that he was he was promoting something in that without letting on that he was promoting something. Oh, I had someone off my mastermind, you know, just hit 10,000. But there was no go check out www.whatever. Very, very smart way of doing it because straight away in my head, I was like, hmm, interesting. I wonder what that mastermind is and how much does it cost? So I'm probably going to go off and research that now. I think my third point was to do with the fact that it's he's very relatable in the sense that I feel as though he's coming from a place of understanding. Mm. He's been there, done that. I often say this about it. I don't know if it's a good example, but like, have you ever gone to a therapist? And you can tell the difference between a therapist who has been through it and a therapist who's reading from a book. He reminds me of the therapist who has been there, done that. I feel as though he gets that and he wants to pull me along with him versus I read a really good marketing book and now I'm going to give you this advice. That was the feeling. I could be completely off, but that was the feeling I got from him. What I liked about that guy was I have an experience of this. And the minute I heard him saying it, I went, that is so true. And it is such a good piece of advice in that it's scary with as we go through you know, the world and COVID and they're talking about finance in the States and that there was a survey done to say that uh, only 10% of Americans had more than $400 for or, or could handle an emergency that only needed $400. It was like, oh my God, people are living day to day. Um, but the big thing I would take out of that is, is that if you have a fund for three months or you're able to cover your basic expenses every month, not worry about it, you make different decisions. And I, that, wow, help. You can see that in your head right now. You can go, I'm living from week to week and there's just about enough money. So I'm going to think one way. But then actually, if, I, if there's a bit of money behind me, I kind of go, no, I'm going to chill and I'm going to do boom. And you do make different. Anyway, that's. Uh, the two lads from Hustle and Flowchart. If you want to listen to that, their guest was Justin Donald and he was on the last, whatever, couple of weeks you find it out. Uh, the third example then of um, thinking as a producer and putting good content into a show then is uh, Becoming Wise, which you've uh, chosen. Tell me about this and why you've picked it. Yeah, so I found this. So this isn't actually a clip from a podcast, but this is more so, as I was saying, engaging the audience and fi- it's almost doing market research for your podcast in a very clever way. Um, like if, if we play it and then talk about it after, I think it'll make more sense. But I just, I never actually thought about doing this myself. Okay, here we go. Hey there, Becoming Wise listeners. I'm Marie Sambalay, the lead producer of this podcast. Thanks so much for listening to season two. We hope you found it reflective, helpful, and centering. Now, before we go away to work on our next season, we'd love to hear from you about what you loved, how we can make the podcast even better, and just to get to know you a little more. 
So we've created a survey, and we'd be so grateful if you shared your thoughts and ideas with us. Go to onbeing.org slash bwsurvey to tell us what you think. That's onbeing.org slash bwsurvey. Thanks again for listening, and stay subscribed to get new episodes when we're back with season three. I love that. I loved it too is because when I was going through a spot, Spotify list um, I actually clicked on it thinking it was an episode and then I only saw that it was like a minute long or whatever and I was like wow what a genius idea rather than putting it on our website or our social media or anything why not put it on the platform where everyone's already listening you know and I was just like I never actually thought about doing it on myself and it's the producer who's doing it she's like hey I'm the producer I'm not normally on this but boom can you give me a bit of feedback please now how well it actually worked, I don't know, obviously, because I'm not the producer on it. I'd be interested to find out if we ever tried it ourselves. But yeah, I, I thought it was a clever way of doing it. I, I think you would get much better results from that. You don't get as many results, but the quality is so much better because people have bought into the podcast and they're far more likely to uh, 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 to give results. OK, like that, like that a lot. Three good examples. Um, but who's going to be the winner? Ah, which was your favourite? And you can include one of your own. My favourite in regards to what has like triggered me the most to actually do something about it would probably be your pick, The Hustle and Flow, only because I genuinely feel like sitting down and coming up with my, my income for the month. <laughs> You've learned something today from a podcast. <laughs> uh, I like uh, the Graham Norton one. That's the, that's the one I'm going to go for. Uh, and the reason why I, that was my favourite of the three was because it showed the mind of a good producer. And it's like, OK, so what can we do? What can we do? What can we do? And just continuing on for an extra five minutes to come up with an idea and bam. And that shows what the skill of a producer is. So there. Shireen Langan, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you about podcast and producing. Thanks so much for coming on with us. If you'd like to find out more about Shireen, you'll find her at Shireen Langan on Instagram, or you can check out her website as well, theworldmedialab.com. And I'll include links to that as well in the show description, which you find on your smartphone right now, as well as a link to where to get the book, of course, how to podcast like a radio presenter, which is just full of tons of golden advice for you. Of course, if you want to chat uh, with ourselves about any of the topics discussed today, you can send us an email or a phone call or whatever, all of those details in the show description as well. But for now, uh, thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you again soon. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. This conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye. Hal? Hal? 